I'm Laura. I'm Amy. Um, and welcome to Literary Laughing, week two. Dun, dun, dun. So each week we read you excerpts from books that we have chosen and laugh about them. And hopefully you're laughing too. If yeah. You're uh, to this. I will say, I didn't even tell you. Well, I changed my book like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I was going to do one book. It was, but then I was like, the parts that were really funny are like hidden in it because it's a history book. And then I was just thought of like turning and like opening up and I was just like, these are really dense paragraphs. Everybody will hate me. So it's all Teddy Roosevelt. It wasn't, it, it's called Rebel Cities. So it's looking Ooh. at how um, it's kind of tying, it, well, it does, not kind of, it does. It ties New York, Paris and London together during the revolutionary time and how those cities and what was going on in, in those cities was affecting each other. And so there are some really hilarious parts in there because they actually like pull out some historical pieces of people just be like, I will attack you. And like, just like all this crazy stuff. And, and so it's really funny. And then there's parts that just aren't that funny, but it's really interesting. So if you, enjoy history I would totally suggest that book it's just very dense but the good news is it does have pictures like most good Ooh. history books so yeah love a good picture book I know I mean if it doesn't have pictures I really don't understand it <laughs> <laughs> so are we going in the opposite order this week or are we rock paper scissoring it I thought I'd, I'd go first to make it easier, but yeah. we could always rock, paper, scissors if you really want to go first. No, no. <laughs> you go right ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. So, okay. This is the part that I've chosen for you just because I think it encompasses this whole book a little bit. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking about my readings. <laughs> okay. Marry and you will regret it. Don't marry. You will also regret it. Marry or don't marry. You will regret it either way. So said Soren Kierkegaard. I should have kind of tried to figure out how to pronounce some of these names beforehand. That rumpled, bewildered Dane. Up the old land Honda Road near the crest of the coastal ranges, the squirrel warmed in the sun while some of his offspring chattered nearby in the trees. As in a dream, he saw a plastic bag blowing up the ridge through the green and golden meadow, full of lupine and dandelion and fillery. It bounded over old stumps and bulging roots and rocks and stones and depressions, racing and halting, flattening and rising on a draft. He blinked drowsily in the light. The black, the, the, the bag blew into his dream, <laughs> inflating and rising, spinning and twirling, then filled out with the certainty of flesh. Ah, oh, son, dad, are you okay? I need spectacles. I thought you were a plastic bag. The boy had grown a goatee and joined the nutkinistas. The nutkinistas. The squirrel didn't like it, but a young man had to find his, his way. Death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people was what the boy had tagged on the bridge across the creek, just at the spot where the couple had agreed to this union. That was in the chill of winter. Now it was a brighter day, the sun bounding towards the solstice, not a gust or a cloud, nor even a massive horde of his kind to stop them. The kits were living and loving, Jays and warblers spoke over one another, but no, but not loud enough. Wasps built on the lengthening days, too busy to sting. Even the wildflowers were whispering. Or was that just the sound of his life fuse burning down? His old dad used to say, no matter how well, well wound the workings of the clock wind down. So meet for an early dinner, dad? Since when do I take an early dinner? It seemed a considerable number of folks had found their way to this spot not to witness this disaster, but to cheer this couple on. I'll stop there. Is this a family of squirrels? Yes, it was a family of squirrels. It was from the point of view of a family of squirrels. Now park. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He thought a plastic bag was a sun, but a sun has a goatee as a squirrel. And, 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 and part of an anti-fascist group as a squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. And um, needs spectacles as a squirrel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some squirrels do. We do not judge. We shouldn't judge squirrels and their needs. No. We are no. not a part of the squirrel community, so we can't speak for them either. No. Or nor are we squirrel doctors who have a great understanding <laughs> of their inner workings. I'm a squirrel doctor. I'm not really a veterinarian. I'm just a squirrel doctor. I know that my specialty is squirrels, but only squirrels. Actually, I just squirrels. <laughs> the new animal planet is the squirrel whisperer. Do you have a problem with squirrels throwing nuts at you and your trees? Well, get me down there right away. Here I come. <laughs> and if they're missing you, they need spectacles. <laughs> Obviously. Or they could be part of the nutcanistas. They think you're a fascist. <laughs> okay. So, so the back of the book. Yes. Floating into her 30s, Veblen is an amateur translator and freelance self. Her fiance, Paul, is a brilliant neurologist whose research has led to a high stakes military contract. As he gets swept up by the promise of fame and fortune, Veblen heroically keeps the peace between all the damaged parties involved in their upcoming wedding until she finds herself falling for someone or something else. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Featuring hippie parents, big pharma, a late 19th century econ- econom- econ- economist. I can't know. I don't know why I couldn't get that word out. It's okay. Uh, economist. And something called the mnemonic turbo skull punch. The portable Veblen asks, where do our families end and we begin? How do we stay true to our ideals? And what is that squirrel really thinking? wait I thought this was all about squirrels now I'm confused no it's not all about squirrels this is called the portable Veblen but on the (laughs) on the front it shows that this actually this not actually this book won a national book award like national book award long list wow it got a badge and it has a squirrel on it holding a little sign and it has a little little speaking bubble that says a novel (laughs) it's super cute it is really cute it looks like an old children's book it does but it's not not yeah not at all um this book is by elizabeth mckenzie you know let me get over here who on the penguin website um it says elizabeth mckenzie is the author of the collection stop that girl shortlisted for the story prize and the novel mcgregor tells the world a chicago tribune san francisco chronicle and library journal best book of the year (laughs) her work has appeared in the new yorker the atlantic the best american non-required reading and the pushcart prize best of the small presses anthology and has been reported for NPR selected shorts. Wow. Um, she was an NEA Japan U.S. Friendship Commission Fellow in 2010. McKenzie received her MA from Stanford, was an assistant fiction editor at The Atlantic, and currently teaches creative writing at Stanford Continuing Studies. So she knows her stuff, basically. Um, and then I think... Well, they were talking that she also was an editor. I don't know if she still is, but um, she is is or was a senior editor at the Chicago Quarterly Review and a managing editor editor of Catamaran Literary Reader. So, like those kind of societies and groups that we would never be a part of. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe later in life. It, Maybe later in life, they let us in because they feel bad for us. They're like, y'all tried so hard. Look, you have your own podcast. You can come in. Yeah, (laughs) podcast is like the level now. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Not what you were expecting. No, not at all. Not after last week's sultry read about horses and aliens. I mean, there is an interesting 
Okay, so truth be told, I did read this book before, but I got it at Half Price Books in Houston. So it does fall under Helm, and it was something I knew you probably hadn't read before. So it was fair game. Yeah. If you hadn't read it. Yeah. So. I mean, you can't help it if I've read it either. And I'm sure I would laugh just as hard at random things. Yeah. That I've read before. I, I just thought that this book is amazing out of context because it is so random. <laughs> just the characters and her she's a great writer obviously she knows her stuff but um yeah okay do you have another reading mm-hmm. in the morning moments after paul went out to buy pastries a fluffy scurious grisius appeared on her bedroom sill its top coat was charcoal its chest as wide as an oxford shirt its tail as rakish as the feather and a conquistador's conquistador's cap the western gray sat with quiet dignity, head high, shoulders back, casting a forthright glance through the window with its large brown eyes. What a vision. She sat up in bed and it seemed quite natural to speak to the animal through the window wing, window pane. <laughs> I mean, you are reading about animals, a squirrel. I know, window wing. It's a window wing. Um, though it had been a long while since she had known any squirrels. Well then. You're a very handsome squirrel, very dignified. To her amusement, the squirrel lowered its head slightly as if it understood her and appreciated the compliment. Are you living upstairs? You're a noisy neighbor and you kept Paul up all night long. That time, the squirrel picked up its head and seemed to shrug. A coincidence, surely, but Veblen hiccuped with surprise and then the squirrel reached out and placed one of its hands onto the glass as if to touch the side of her face. Oh, you're really telling me something. She extended her hand, but the new ring seemed to interfere, flashing and cold on her finger. She pulled it off and set it on the nightstand. With her hand unadorned, she felt free to place the tips of her fingers on the glass where the squirrel's hand was pressed. The squirrel studied her with warm brown eyes as if to ask, how well do you know yourself and all the choices you can make? As if to tell her, I was cut loose from a hellish marriage. And I want to meet muckrakers, carousers, and the sweet tooth, and the lion-hearted, and you don't know it yet, but you are all of those. I, what? Bethlin said, mesmerized. Then, with a flick of its tail, it dashed away. Lion-hearted. Lion-hearted. I would take dating advice from a squirrel any day. I don't I mean, and he communicated that all with his warm brown eyes. I know. And then just one little paw on, on the window. <laughs> I mean, if I was a squirrel doctor, I'd make sure that it was okay before I let it inside. Definitely. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's very descriptive is one thing I do like about this book. She does really, she does a good job with her descriptors. Yeah. It's, it's just this relationship with the squirrels that gets me. I might have to read this book. It's a little, it seems very interesting in an odd way, which is usually how I like my books. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's one of those books where you develop strong feelings about each of the characters. Mm-hmm. Did you say the name of the book? Oh, The Portable Veblen. I thought I did. Maybe you did. I know I was so distracted by the squirrel because squirrels are just squirrel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All I could think about was the speech bubble saying (laughs) a novel. A novel. (laughs) A novel? (laughs) Well, what is it called? (laughs) Yeah, the portable Veblen. Okay. And see, I was good. I didn't even go to the weird, not weird sex scene, but there's, it's descriptive. Yeah. Once you get there, it, it can be descriptive. Yeah, I skipped a couple of those in my book because I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I could read this out loud. (laughs) It's just one of those really awkward, overly descriptive ones. Yeah, it um, it talked about like, what? (laughs) With a lot of French. Oh, well, nice. Mm. Good luck reading that. (laughs) I know, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "Mm, skip. Um, do you, should we do a random page or do you want to give me a page number? 
Um, why don't you tell me, well, do a random page. Let's do that. Okay, okay, well, all right. Bevlin's scorn for medical marketing has poisoned him. He called in Suzanne Hicks. What is this thing? There they are. These have great reviews on Allegro. I thought we could try, we could give them a try. On what? The medical supply site. Lots of great stuff there. A little bleach usually works fine. Kinks said, also thought you should know we're a little behind uh, in our cadaver count. I'm waiting for a call from the anatomical board and we should be able to scrape up a few more, but I took it upon myself to apply for MUPs. Suzanne Hicks was tone deaf, missing some piece of humanity. He couldn't quite put his finger on it. He conjured a childhood full for her and which a Marinette dad lined up the kids and inspected the shine on their shoes and the parts in their hair. As a sex partner, she'd probably play roles without any self-consciousness, which was kind of hot, but who needed it? And MUPs are multiple use privileges. Oh, that's quite a privilege. We have 34 cadavers in stock, so if we get MUPs and use both sides of the skull, that will put us at 68 procedures, and hopefully by that, hopefully by that time, we should have a full inventory. Paul said, anything else I should know? It's a busy day, but the families usually expect FaceTime with the lead physician. Maybe you could poke your head in and give them a pep talk? <laughs> a pep talk about what? You could remind them how patriotic they are and thank them for their sacrifices. You should, you could lead an informal prayer if you'd like. That type of thing goes over well. <laughs> True. I don't want to sugarcoat anything about this trial. She sighed. Dr. Vreeland. Morale is so important. Positive spin makes the world go round. Can I tell them you'll stop in at 10? All right, Paul said suddenly. Wonderful. Let's see. Jonathan Finger called to say the control panel has been installed, so the simulator should be up and running soon, and the simulator's operator has been in touch. Robbie Frazier, do you know he's a sound technician for um, THX? And the medics are here today. Chen, Sadiq, and Vasquez. I've given them a general orientation. Can you meet with them at noon? He nodded, handed her the corpsary sackets, and watched her go. Wow. Yes. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, so that was a, with Paul, the fiance of Veblen. I see. Okay. But uh -huh. there were no squirrels. There were no squirrels in that. That was this is. Of. This is his side of the story because he's the brilliant neuroscientist working at the VA. So does he end up seeing squirrels later or interacting with them? Yes, which I, I, I can't get, I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. I'm just going to pretend I hadn't read it, but okay. I'll say yes. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're going to read it, why well, I don't want to give you give away the book. And I don't want to get Elizabeth McKenzie on my bad side here. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No spoilers. Squirrels are awesome. <laughs> I was watching one today carrying something very large in his mouth. And I couldn't tell what it was. And then he came back. Well, it could have been a female as well. It yeah. came back. They came back. And they were dragging this, I want to say branch. I mean, obviously to me, it would be a little stick, but to them, it looks like a branch from a tree, <laughs> just dragging it across my yard and across the neighbor's yard. I guess they were building a nest or something. That'd be, they're hiding their nuts. I've seen them like running around collecting nuts already. So <laughs> winter ready. Yeah. I think the part like with this is just like, the morale boosting and mm -hmm. the way that she just kind of brushes through everything is like yes here is like a bunch of information that would be overwhelming to anybody else yeah right. yeah pray with them patriotic what else does she have? and we'll and we'll get you some more dead bodies multiple yeah. purpose bodies yeah everybody likes to hear that yeah Let's just, you can, you can hit him on, on one school on one side and then like flip him over and do the other side. <laughs>
a number. Should we do a number page now? Yeah, how many pages are there? Okay, with the appendix, are we including the, there's appendices here. I mean, are they, sure, let's include them. All right, if it's, one of the appendices is just a list, so I'll just tell you to renumber if you get that. Okay. Um, okay, it has 427 pages with the appendices. Wow. I choose page 205. 205. You're really hoping to get a squirrel, aren't you? <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Ooh. Okay. So this is going to be pretty intense, but here we go. All right. I don't want to cough into the microphone, but I just may have done it. Okay. Eventually, he came home into the care of his family. His burns healed. He regained full use of his limbs, but before long, the family insisted he was no longer the man they once knew. It seemed a likely case of PTSD. A notation suggested the family seek counseling to adjust to Smith's trauma and personality changes. He had an MRI, an EEG, blood panels, occupational and physical therapy and counseling. An ophthalmologist corrected his lenses. And the fall, Smith had apparently attempted suicide by opening a car door in a moving vehicle. The family thought participation in a trial would be good for his morale. There was a new notation showing that Smith had been reassigned to psychiatric treatment with Dr. Bert Wallman. A tug, on, a tug on his coat brought Paul's attention to the man's troubled face. Hey, buddy, Paul said. You have two really nice daughters. You're a lucky guy. There's a war machine. Smith said in his gravely, gravelly voice, and you want to put me in it. It took Paul a moment to respond. Oh, you mean the CURS, the simulator? You're going to put me in the war machine, said Smith, who was apt to slow down in the middle of a thought with his tongue too dry to say it. There were many days he'd forgotten, wigs of days, hair pieces sitting on time, and there was there were secret warm joys hidden somewhere he could no longer find them. He was aware of his service and his injury and the recovery plan, but there was something else they weren't saying. There was a decal over everything. The bones began to rub through the skin when you were down too long. He felt the bones coming through in his hips. Wow. I told you, you picked a very intense page. Yeah. So this book is not just squirrels. Lightness. Yeah. It's got some really deep stuff in it. Which... I, I appreciate so much in these books when there's that nice balance between something light and weird, which, I mean, I could oddly relate to this girl thinking that she can talk to squirrels. As a child, I was pretend I would talk to birds outside my window. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. But, you know, like, there's something to that and that need to balance out with something so heavy as dealing with war veterans and PTSD and brain injury and everything else, which is a whole other side of this book. Yeah. See, I, I came out with something completely different. Than I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is completely like at the other end of the, I don't even know what to say. The other end of uh, the. Like the resale shop. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like you're looking at it and you're like, that book has a squirrel on it. What is that about? Yeah. And it's super just super lighthearted book. Yeah, it looks super lighthearted. And there's there are some really interesting things in this book. But yeah, if yeah. you would like to borrow it, you are more than or I can just pass it on. Yeah, I might borrow it from you. I did get it at my favorite half price books in Rice Village, which has since closed down. Oh, so, I know. Oh, yeah. So That's hard. Mm-hmm. But thank you for whoever brought it to half price books and got a dollar back for it. Yeah. Get that money back. Get that money back. Saw Keep your book in circulation. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready for this? I am so ready for your book. This is going to be so frivolous after reading about PTSD and war veterans. 
But just remember what my book was last week, okay? I had to go to war veterans because I was so mean to the horses last week. So, <laughs> oh, making love in a haystack. No, I didn't. That doesn't make sense. I let's go. I had to go to the squirrels. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm starting. Mm-hmm. Yet another reason to insist on no light. The blush she could feel covering her entire body her skin transparently showing the heat he generated inside of her. Ooh. <laughs> that got intense really quick. This is Ooh. the beginning of a chapter, by the way. Mm. He made her so hot and so warm, both. She had no idea what had inspired him to give himself to her, but like some dry, desperate sponge, she was going to soak up every last bit of him that she could. He could ring her every way he wanted afterward to get himself back. She would still have him, have some of him to keep. Don't spit out your beer. I won't. I won't. I was just going to be like, I was just going to be like, spoiler alert. They're both squirrels. (laughs) If only. Actually, that would be a little bit weird reading about squirrel sex. (laughs) She just could be a squirrel doctor. (laughs) (laughs) she just hoped he got something out of it too she turned her head from his throat pressing kisses over those big shoulders why did a chocolate patissier have such shoulders his work was physical but this was brute strength here the shoulders of someone who did heavy construction or who devoted serious effort in the gym to maintaining them She squeezed her hands into the biceps that matched them, letting her fingernails test their resilience. (laughs) I just picture her pinching him. (laughs) It's like, like, what is the give here? (laughs) She's she's easily distracted during sex. (laughs) I don't know that they're on to sex yet. I think they're just smelling each other. Oh, have we come to that part yet? Hold on. Well, I thought that she, I thought he could like see through her translucentness and just No, she was she didn't have the light on, so he can't see anything. Uh, not yet. Oh, he just Maybe that's why she's her. relying on touch. Oh yeah. Spongy. <laughs> he had taken a shower between his work and meeting her, washing away the chocolate scent that made her feel she was coming home. Here in the night, his scent was his own essence. The cacao and it elusive, as if she could chase it over his whole body and still find only him. The scent of totally new territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why did it feel like the place she wanted to belong? Jaime, he silked out. Oh, I'm sorry. Jaime, her silked out name shivered over her. What? She whispered, trailing her lips over his chest. It rose and fell. He pulled her hips harder against his. Nothing. One of his hands dragged over her back through the knit. I just like saying your name. His hand scooped under her bottom, flexing into the muscles there. Say mine. She pressed her (laughs) face into his chest and let him feel her grin. Monsieur? His fingers flexed punishingly into her bottom. That's not funny. Really? Well, maybe she did have a peculiar sense of humor. The scent oh of cacao. So he makes chocolates? <laughs> yes. He yes. makes chocolates. He and... smells like chocolate. She wants He's... to inhale him, basically. Yeah. Um, she left the lights off, so things escalated, and she was like, let's just keep the lights off here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just... I really wonder sometimes if people have had sex like this, where they're like, call my name. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's always said so nicely, but then when you actually put everything into picture, like, like, I'm just going to grab you here and say, say my name. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think the most realistic part is at the end where she was like, 
<laughs> like teasing him. Yeah. Little brat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for the back? Yes, please. <laughs> I must know about these sponges. Dominique Richard's reputation says it all. Wild past, wilder flavors, black leather and smoldering heat. Jaime Corey is hardly the first woman to be drawn to all that dark, delicious danger. Sitting in Dom's opulent chocolatery, I don't speak French, so I butchered that. In Paris, day after day, she lets his decadent creations restore her weary body and spirit, understanding that the man himself is entirely beyond her grasp until he touches her. Chocolate, Dominic understands, from the biting tang of lime caramel to the most complex infusions of jasmine, lemon thyme, and cayenne. But this shy, freckled American who sits alone in his salon, quietly sampling his exquisite confections as if she can't get enough of them, enough of him, is something else. She has secrets, too, he can tell. Of course, if she really knew him, she would run. Yet once you have spotted your heart's true craving, simply looking is no longer enough. So he went after the quiet girl sitting in his shop. He's like, hmm, all these other women talk to me on a regular basis. But let's go to the one that's not talking to me because that won't be weird or predatory or, you know, (laughs) anything along those lines. I actually just realized I'm not sure I'm saying her name correctly. Is it just Jamie? It's J A I M E. I thought it would be Jamie. Jamie? Maybe. But wouldn't that be I E? Jane? Jamie? I don't know. I don't know. I don't read half of perfect. my books correctly. So it's all good. Don't ask me. You can say whatever you want. It's fine. Okay. So this book is called The Chocolate Touch. And. It has a picture of a man and a woman making out in front of the Eiffel Tower, but they obviously didn't read the book because from what I read of the book, he's huge and she's teeny tiny, and that's part of what draws them together, and in the picture, he's like four inches taller than her. Oh, well, I feel like there are so many stereotypes going on in this book right now that I might not okay I want to know the twist yeah I kind of want to know the twist is there is it a girl twist or a guy twist I you'll have to decide from my readings but above their heads I just want to point out it does say life is a banquet and then they couldn't say life is a box of chocolates because that would have been a lot of problems that would have been really good they couldn't (laughs) They would have gotten sued so bad. Exactly. So this is by Lara Florand. I actually picked okay. it up. I saw the name Lara. I'm not going to lie. Um, and the little <laughs> blurb says she was born in Georgia, but okay. the travel bug bit her early. After a Fulbright year in Tahiti, a semester in Spain, and backpacking everywhere from New Zealand to Greece, she ended up living in Paris, where she met and married her own handsome Frenchman. She is mm-hmm. now a lecturer at Duke University and very dedicated to her research into French chocolate. How dedicated? Yes. So apparently this is part of a series on love and chocolate in Paris. Just so you know. And this isn't the I first see. book. Because there are some other characters in the book that I was like, this is odd that they're not being developed because it seems like there's a backstory. So then I looked and realized they're actually the first book. Oh, and then they intersect into the next book. Yes. Yes. So the first book I think is about her sister. Oh, her. So there are like three big chocolate guys in Paris. And the first book's about the first one. The second book's about the second one. And I, guess the third book's about the third one I didn't really look at the third book I just got like a Jane Austen reference in my head the moment you started talking about sisters so I was like oh my gosh so there goes Bingley there goes Darcy 
holy crud, this poor Mr. Collins is coming next. (laughs) (gasps) Yeah, special. For Wickham. I mean, I I don't actually mind the premise because some of her descriptions of chocolate, like the chocolate itself, not like sex as chocolate, actually are really interesting and kind of make me hungry. That's, well, I hope so. She's so interested in chocolate. That's true. Uh, Well, I don't know. Was that a joke at the end of her, her blurb? I don't, I don't know. I haven't had coffee with her in a couple of weeks, so... (laughs) that's that's kidding I don't know this other Laura (laughs) all right shall I do the second reading yes please there's more sex coming isn't there (laughs) he slammed the bag a few good hard knocks against the edge of the counter breaking the block inside into smaller chunks then emptied it into a great metal bowl while the cream infused. He hadn't bothered to turn on a light in the cuisine so that the illumination came only from the stairwell end of the main room of the laboratory. As the old man hovered over him in the dark, they could have been two alchemists concocting the elixir of life. There, feeling that the cream had infused with about as much of the bland green flavor as he could take, he sieved the leaves out, pouring the not quite boiling, now green cream over the chocolate. James Corey gaped at him as he dropped the dirty sieve full of leaves into the nearest sink and started stirring the chocolate cream. What? You threw out the spinach. That's not nutritious. Dom stopped stirring. Nutritious? Yes, you know, something moms can feel proud to feed to their kids. American moms can feel proud to feed spinach chocolate bars to their kids. Are you sure that even your country is that crazy? (laughs) Okay, I like that part. (laughs) I know, I felt like in contrast to the first part, this was just so random. Yeah, but it also like just shows her knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. Right. So I guess she does do chocolate research. Or she did chocolate research just for, like, this series? I don't know. Who knows? Apparently, we don't get enough flares on these writers. You know. I know. I went to look at her website, and there wasn't very much more information on her website. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't very much more to be found online. Yeah. She has written another book. I, there are another series of books. I want to say it was on perfumers. Okay. So, like, I, I'm trying to remember if I'm remembering correctly, but I think there was, like, a book on lavender and roses, something else. And the guys, I guess, that owned the fields were being tempted by American girls. There's a, there's a running theme here. <laughs> I don't know if they were actually American. <laughs> I just threw that in <laughs> because it was funny. The two books <laughs> I do know about, these two chocolate ones, definitely... American girls tempting French guys. Got it. Which she did and got a guy. So, yeah, and you have to write what you know on some yeah. level. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yes. Okay. Random page. Yes. You mean to just pick a random page? Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Okay. He did let a smile soften his mouth. Hold her eyes for just an extra second. Let her see the warmth in his. Tell me, what flavors do you like? He could barely recognize himself. Him with his all-out aggressive, take-it-or-leave-it approach to women. He was so reined in, so subtle, so gentle. Slow, 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 he told himself. Slow, she's a cream or a pastry or a chocolate to be tempered just right. Think about her that way. Slow. Let her absorb you just the way she sat in the saw day after day and absorbed everything you made as if it were the only thing in life she wanted to do. He was losing his mind. He didn't even know who he was to be feeling like this, to be acting like this with a woman he didn't know just because she had come into his salon and sat so still in it, consuming him two times a day for seven days. Probably anything of yours, she said frankly, ruefully, and another wave of arousal swept through him. Poutine, he thought, like a man just catching a hint of tsunami on the horizon with no time to get away. 
this is going to be bad. Just whatever you think, she said quietly. You pick for me. I would like that. I would be honored. Honored? He couldn't breathe properly. He felt like a schoolboy when the sexy math teacher bent over his homework, or the way he imagined that it would have felt based on books. He had left school before puberty. He was suddenly so nervous he was grateful for the white glove to hide his damp palm. All of his flavors were wild. All his chocolate was dark and challenging. That was what he was known for, that smoky chocolate there, for example. That might be too much. Then again, she might love it. Maybe he should stick to his least wild flavors, like this straightforward, dark, single-origin chocolate. But it was so very dark, so bitter at first bite, with its long, lingering, slowly gentling aftertaste. What if it was too bitter for her? What if she couldn't wait for that gentling? For the first time in his life, he wished he had just one chocolate that was a neutral, trustworthy, 50% cacao with a touch of Tahitian vanilla. Which ones did you like best from the other box, he asked hopefully. A smile flashed over her face, rueful and happy. All of them. Another warning wave crashed through him. Yes, he thought as that tsunami got closer. This was going to be bad. All I can see as I'm reading this part to you is your head just going down over and over again as you're trying. I, I, I don't want to interrupt me or reading of this man going crazy over this girl trying to order chocolate. He's just sitting there wave after wave of arousal sweeping through him. I know. And she's like, well, what chocolate should I get? And he's like, just like, the, like, you know, he's just like, uh like just sitting there like going crazy over i can't i can't give her something too dark that might overwhelm her but what if it's like my soul and she can handle it like (laughs) (laughs) uh yes i feel like it was supposed to be him talking about himself like it's so dark it's so bitter but then it gentles yeah just like him but what if she yeah what if she can't handle it what if she can't handle him that's his real question Mm Hmm. But he has his white gloves on, so it's okay because it hides the sweat. And then, yeah, yeah, that was really gross. I was like, well, then is it like, <laughs> like she can't see it, but will she taste it on the chocolate and just think that the chocolate's been salted? I think, I mean, I guess they're cloth gloves that he's using and not like plastic gloves. Yeah, I don't know. Pre COVID gloves? <laughs> Pre COVID gloves. Pre the. The black ones that everyone wears to shop at Costco now. Yeah. Those, I, mean, I feel like somebody, like all of those people bought the boxes of like 200 gloves and you had to buy four boxes at once. And then uh-huh. I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to wear them shopping because <laughs> what else am I going to do with all these gloves? Well, yeah. You know, they're non-medical technically. Yeah. Yeah. I use mine for cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I love these types of books because you yeah. know what's going to happen. And so I actually ways. kept reading after I'd chosen my readings. Yeah. Because I was just so drawn in by the descriptive language, but also just trying to understand what was happening mm-hmm. because I didn't yeah. start at the beginning. Yeah. And didn't go back to the beginning to start at all. <laughs> Just tried to understand the story from the middle of the book, which yeah, is a good way to read, obviously. Yeah. Sometimes I like to start at the back and move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You want to choose a page? Okay. How many pages do I got? There are 298 pages. Ooh. A hundred and eighty. One eighty. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. All right, Amy. <laughs> what I get probably make an announcement at the beginning of our podcast that we don't beep out curse words and we read explicit books sometimes. Is this a moment where we let people know if this could 
is this going to be a triggering moment? Well, you did just choose a not safe for work passage. So anyways, don't listen to this at work unless you work alone. Yeah, have your headphones on. Just when he was able to confirm that her nipples were indeed a dusky pink like her blush and not a golden brown like her freckles, his fingertips slid over something. A little irregularity. He had probably dragged his hands over it many times in the heat of passion and never noticed it before, but now it caught his attention. He followed the crooked line of it short just a few centimeters under the feathering of her hair. That was a scar. As if he had touched off some alert in her security system, she came awake, her body stiffening against his. What happened here? He asked softly. His mind flashed over different possibilities from a childhood fall to a brain tumor operation. Her body flinched, but she said easily, nothing, a bump on my head not too long ago. It didn't do much damage, but they had to stitch it up and shave the hair around it. That's why my hair is so short right now. His whole being froze, the lie of it, so exactly like his mother's voice. God, he himself had probably sounded like that too when he was younger, when he still defended his father. Or himself? See, I don't really deserve to be beaten. Wow. To teachers with a lie. Who gave you the bump? He twisted to sit on the edge of the bed with his back to her, feeling sick, feeling a revulsion. He could not, he would not get involved with a woman who defended the man who beat her. Strong women, only strong women, only the absolute strongest women ever, strong enough to kick him out if he turned into his father. At the same time, it was breaking his heart to think she had been abused, to imagine it. He could imagine it all too well. He curled deeper over himself, stomach churning. She didn't say anything. All at once, she sprang out of bed. He watched her from the corners of his eyes, fists clenched together between his knees. She pulled on a heavy bathrobe, cinching the belt in mad, hard yanks. I can stop there. Okay. <laughs> they go into more of her injuries after that. It's a little intense. So yeah, we should put a warning. Trigger warning, maybe. A little trigger warning there. Yeah. Okay, so we both picked intense moments. Yeah. Yeah. She like that writer just eased us in with some nipples and then was just like boom no it's like here's another heavy and hot scene you get already and it's like nope actually here we go let's let's twist it yes i did read ahead to figure out what had happened to her i'm not gonna lie oh okay what happened to her she was beaten up by a gang of people Oh, she no. worked in um where did she work somewhere in Africa I want to say at doing um like some sort of work for a foundation uh-huh. I guess the local people who were in charge there didn't really like her work so oh. so she got attacked so that yeah. she could leave and Wow. Her family is basically like a fictional Hershey's family. Oh. So she belongs to like this multi-million dollar family. And so they're already like in the chocolate industry. And they just fall in love with these chocolate guys. Yes. Sorry. That was my bedtime reminder going on. Mine just vibrated behind me and it was weird because I heard yours and I thought, but I know I had it on vibrate. Because it makes the same sound. I don't know how my watch came off a vibrate and then but it just then it just reminds me. It's okay. Let's go to bed. I feel like this book provided some pretty random readings though, from like a hot and heavy scene to spinach chocolate to really deep like crazy moment where he's thinking about his abuse his mother who was abused and then wondering if this is going on with his current thing partner and then his like random i'm about to jump over this oh yes to like because i want me of arousal yeah over her love of chocolate yes i mean it sounds like a very interesting book with some heavier moments. This one person says, 
a delectable summer bonbon. Ooh. I mean, I would totally read that book, like something like you just pick it up and you just like read it because it's fun. It's like an airplane book because you're not going to really pay attention to really detailed books. You need something that's kind of interesting, but light-ish and keeps your attention, but not too much attention Yeah, that you can kind of come back to after being distracted. I feel like I would read it on an airplane. Yeah. Definitely. I like how we made like little book book ads for these books that we (laughs) (laughs) read this book when. Yeah, you know, like this would be like a great light book. Like this book is more of like this. And last week we were like going so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I would read your book that you chose last week. I'd probably read mine too if I had nothing else to read. It was a pretty, I mean, I don't, I want to It was very descriptive. Pages. Yeah. yeah. And it was a little tiny book too, one that you just get through really quickly. Yeah. No, I, I've enjoyed our books so far that we've picked. They've been fine. Yeah. So we're going to be starting an Instagram, which I just realized that I forgot to do. And I said that I would do, but we will be starting one. Yeah. By the time this, this episode comes out, we should have an Instagram up. Yes, and we'll just be posting the covers of the books that we are talking about each week and yeah. maybe some random other stuff. Who knows? Yeah, and if you have passages you want to send us or book suggestions, you can always email us at literarylaughing at gmail.com. We would be happy to put random stuff on Instagram because we're going to run out of things to post eventually. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, but yeah, we hope you had fun listening and y'all are having a great day and read a book. Yes. Read two books. Ooh, two books. See, we're giving you goals right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.